So we have a lot to catch up on. You know her from the role of Maxie on General Hospital and Teresa Donovan, the sassy vixen, luscious she devil on Days of Our Lives. Let's welcome Jen Lilly. Hi. Hi. Thank I'm you. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy to be here. So fun. Oh, so fun. <laughs> we haven't seen each other in a really long time. So I want to catch up on everything. Yes. And a couple of our little stories that we have to tell about so our little great. little things that we've done in the outside world. Yes. Okay. So let's go right into life on a soap because I want <laughs> actors to know because not that you are going to be labeled on a soap opera your whole life, but you've done these incredible characters. And for me, I think it is incredible training and actually an incredible job to have for actors to be on a soap. And it trains you also and so many levels of creating quick choices, of learning so much text in such a short time, embodying it and connecting. Tell us. Okay, Tell us. gosh, that's such a good intro and, and such a, a good way to put all of it. Um, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing like soaps. It's funny, when I moved to Los Angeles, I used to take casting director workshops. Mm. And they would always tell me, don't ever meet the soap casting directors because you're way too quirky for soaps. You'll never get cast. And I was like, okay, cool. So you're calling me ugly. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> but that's pretty much what they said. So, um, yeah, so I did sitcoms for years and I booked a bunch of pilots that never went. So I know that game. And then when I went to go audition for General Hospital, mm-hmm, I met you, Sherry Shaw. Ah! Uh, my manager sent me Sherry's way, and we trained for a role on <laughs> General Hospital that was She's called... La- I'm just laughing. I don't I'm even laughing know why. because, oh my gosh, you'll remember as I'm telling okay, it. Okay, good. Because, I me. mean, it was a nightmare of an audition. It was called Woman in White. The oh, role didn't even wait. have a name. I vaguely um, remember this right And it was now. supposed to be like a contract role. It's supposed to be like a three-year contract role, right? And the description... Uh, you know, any actor knows on the sides, you know, they may give you a description on the, the character. This was single-spaced, all caps lock. The entire first page was describing this woman in white. And she she was supposed to be this mystery woman who could draw men to, uh, men to them like moth to a flame. But she was <laughs> ethereal, and she was powerful, and she was still, but she was... Um, sexy. M- sexy. Everything. And momentous, and, <laughs> and just like... All these very strange words. And so I remember I went in for coaching because I was like, I need coaching on this. I have no idea what to do. And um, and I walked in and I had literally, before I had done, came in for coaching, I had pulled out Webster's Dictionary and defined on index cards every single word because I thought, you know, I went to University of Virginia. I like to think that I have some sort of a brain in my head, but at the same time, all of these words are counterintuitive. So I define all the words and I'm like, yep, no, yeah, they mean what I think they mean, but they're all counterintuitive. So I came in and I remember before you even said, hey, I'm Sherry, you held up the sides and oh, you said, gosh. what the F is this? <laughs> like, what are we going to do with this? And I was like, I was hoping you could tell me. So we were like, sit down, we'll figure it out. So we decided that the only way to play woman in white 
was to sit. I sat on my hands because I'm a hand talker. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's listening, I wish you could see me. I'm so Italian. So I sat on my hands <laughs> and, and, I, and I made my voice like kind of very deep. Yeah. And I rented a dress from Target. That's what we'll call it. A big long white dress, and I threw these extensions in my hair. And and we kind of just decided that I was going to have to be balls to the wall, committed. Mm-hmm. So I've never done this before, but I went in and I went in in character. And I left in character. But I think we discussed that. We didn't discussed we? it because it was one of those roles where it was like we don't know what else to do other than this. And look, my goal was not so close. Let me just interrupt because in the in the character description, it gave you so many different characters in one. So I think we just honed in on a couple of the essences. Yeah. And it was it was badass. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> so I go in. I'm talking to Mark Teschner, and I'm like, "Hello, Mark. You know, whatever." I was so good. I knew I was good because I coached with you. So I was so good. This is the only reason I do the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I remember that he kept going up on his lines. And he had auditioned a gazillion girls. So he knew his lines. And every time he'd go up on his lines, I would just look at him, like stare at Pierce. I never broke eye contact. Incredible. And just lifted my eyebrow, like, are you going to say your next effing line? And so then I left and I went, so nice meeting you, Mark. Goodbye. And I walked out of the room staring at him backwards (laughs) because it was such a creepy, weird role. And so... But I love how you went in as, stayed in as, and left as. Balls to the wall. So I call Mitch, my manager, afterward, and and he said, how'd it go, you know? And I I came from sitcoms. And I said, you know, uh, I went in. I did everything that Sherry and I discussed. I feel real good about it. Um... I either scared the ever-loving bejesus out of him, and he's never going to see me again, or I booked it. Like, those are the two extremes. I don't know. So Mitch calls him, and he says, Mark really loved it, but he was like, you know, I really liked her. I don't know that she's right for this role, but she was very interesting, and I promise you I'll have her in again. So fast forward, three months goes by. They need a pinch hitter, Maxie Jones. Uh, I didn't know it was Maxie Jones. They never said that that's the role. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, she needs to walk fast, talk fast, be very funny. Blonde, this, you know, and I was baby blonde at the right. time. 5'3". So we said, great. So I call Mitch and I said, you know, Mark said he'd see, he'd see me again. Why don't we just submit my comedy reel? It's very funny, fast, funny. He you said, okay, fun. great, thanks, man. Yeah. So, so I go in. There's eight girls. Mitch had told me there was already a celebrity offer. Mm. Because the first, and there was not. But the first time... I called him afterwards. I was like, you put so much pressure on me. Because he was like, this is a breakthrough role. Like, you need this. You need this as your launching point. And I'm like, I've already booked sitcoms. Like, what are you talking about? But then none of them were picked up. So I told him. So he fooled me this time. He was like, don't worry. They have a celebrity offer. They're never going to want you anyway. Just, like, so go in there. Was... And your job is to show them that you're not that creepy girl that went in yeah. the first time. I right. said, great, I can do that. So yeah. I go in. I get the callback. I come for the callback. And... I'm sitting in the lobby. It's my favorite story of my life because I'm sitting in the lobby and it was me and these two other girls and I call them lovingly Dodo number one and Dodo number two. And <laughs> lovingly. I'm, yeah, lovingly. And I'm sitting there in the lobby thinking, okay, so neither of these girls are famous and it's just the three of us. Like, I have a real shot. Then I knew it was mine because Mark Teschner comes out. He goes to the copier and he's making these copies, and he says... Back in the day. Yeah, he's making these <laughs> copies, and he says, uh, oh, you guys got the memo that um, we want you to do a Jewish accent, right? And I, I just immediately said, yeah, Hasidic, right? I just, like, was Hasidic. 
And he's like, ha, and he starts laughing. And then he goes, he's verbatim, and he was very clear. He said, I can make that joke because I'm Jewish. So he said, I can make that joke. Right. And the other girls are like, <laughs> right. And he walks back in. And then they're like nervously laughing. It's 14 pages of material. I'm trying to focus because I'm like, oh my God, I have a shot. I have a shot. I have a shot. Right. Dota number one goes, um, so like, was he like, did, do we have to do an accent or what? And I go, no, oh my gosh, no. Like, remember he, he said, um, he was making a joke. He was making a joke. Right. Um, and so then pause, 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 Dota number two. Are you sure? Are you just like saying that? Like, did you, did like he call your reps or, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to book this because you guys, could, there's no way you can do a soap. So I said, listen, if y'all want to go in and do some Jewish accent, like from Brooklyn or Hasidic or whatever you think that is, go for it. Go for it. I will book this role, but I'm promising you, like I'm rooting for all of us. Like it's whatever you want to do. I'm going to go out in the hall. I'm going to run my lines. So I booked that. And uh, that's how soaps are. But, yes, yeah, soaps are the best training to also answer your question because, you know, a normal show, let's just call it an hour-long procedural criminal mm -hmm. show, they shoot six to eight pages a day. Mm -hmm. If you have eight-page day, everybody mm -hmm. in the morning is like, oh, my God, we're going to be here forever. Like, they're going to call golden hour. Like, maybe not. Maybe we'll get paid more. Soaps shoot 150 mm -hmm. to 220 pages a day. Mm -hmm. They are word perfect. You mm -hmm. do not have a teleprompter. So you're memorizing anywhere from 30 to 87 was my top night. Pages a night. So you feel like you're in finals week. They block you in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon. You don't have time to block, so they just kind of verbally talk you through it. You have to hit your light. You have to make sure you're on camera. You're not blocking anybody else's light, or mainly for me because I'm short. Nobody else is blocking my light, and you okay. go. Okay, so wait. So this is all, there's so much information you just threw mm -hmm. at us. So, okay. So you got the maxi roll. Yeah. Okay, then... You were on that show for how many years? I was on um, for 11 months. Oh, that's what's interesting about Women in White. Mm -hmm. Okay, back to that. Okay. So Maxie was supposed to be pinch hitter three weeks. She was out sick. Mm -hmm. She was out sick for 11 and a half months. Woman in White, the audience was like, what is this role? And she was one and done in like <laughs> oh, six weeks. So I was very, very glad that I didn't book that role. Yes. Everything happens for a reason. and Everything does. And as you know, and I'm sure you tell people, our job as actors is to book the room. To book yeah. the casting office. You're not trying to book the role. You'd like to book the role because you well, need money I and you want to book it. But I, I do tell everyone it's about the story yeah. that you're telling in the room. Yes. Beginning, middle, and end to the best of your ability, the way you it resonates for you yeah. in your heart, in your environment, in your personalizations, whatever you're using, and then just leave. Yeah. I mean, I didn't book a role on a massive sitcom one time. I, it was down to two, me and the other girl, and they said, oh, we really wanted a brunette. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but hair dye. And I'm a brunette right mm -hmm, now, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's nuts. So you just have to, you just have like to go, you said. tell it, and leave. Yeah. But okay, so you got Maxie. We're sidetracking. And then you did that run. And yeah. then, so tell us, so learning all those lines, yeah. what was your process? Because all of a sudden you're thrown into this mm. world. You would work until what hour and then get home and how many hours would you have to put into it? Did you like visualize each line specifically? Did you riff on each line the next day? How did you do it? Um, so they're word perfect, so you're not allowed to riff. You're not allowed to? Um, no. So I memorize keywords. So first I memorize the story. Mm -hmm. First I memorize just like an improver would. What is the story that I'm telling? Mm -hmm. Memorize that, because once that's in your heart and you understand why you're saying the mm -hmm. words, then you can get the words. Right. That's for me at least. And then I just kind of just, I have a really good memory. Uh, mm -hmm. So I that's took good. a lot of cold reading classes and that helped. Mm. Um, 
And then I will say that anyone that has trouble memorizing, there's hope because the more you know your character, it's easy for me to memorize Teresa Donovan lines on Days of Our Lives now. If I get an audition and it's nine pages, it might be harder to get in my mouth even though I'm doing 87 pages on a soap because mm-hmm. I don't know how that character talks. Exactly. But you, so I would, in the beginning, just memorize the story, try to memorize the words like any actor does. I don't really know. You just would read you write it over and down? over. And, but would you write it, read it over and over or do you, do you re, like, I read it and say it out loud over okay, and over. Okay. So you're, you're mentally visualizing it. Visualizing of, and hearing it. Okay. And saying it. And you're not writing it down. No. Mm-hmm. And then I'm will write down keywords. So if I keep thinking, you know, we all do it when we're memorizing and then you have like a transition sentence or you're, you're like we do in real life, you're just moving to another thought all mm-hmm. of a sudden. And then that's really hard to memorize because right. it's a totally different beat change. Right, right. I will write out the keyword that I'm missing. Sometimes for me that keyword is and. Mm. For some but reason. sometimes, and I'm not getting that one and then that's the bridge for me. So I just find whatever word it is that I stop on and then I start memorizing the keywords in the margin. And what's a keyword for you? What does that mean? Um, like and, or let's say the lines are, hey Sherry, I'm going to be on your podcast today and we're going to discuss acting and soap operas. Mm. So I might say, Sherry, podcast, acting, soap operas. Oh, I see. Because those are the main the points. Yeah, the main points. And okay. if you memorize those four, then I'm like, okay, so I'm going to meet with Sherry, we're doing a podcast, we're talking about So let about me this. ask you something, because you have to learn that material so quickly. Yeah. And at the beginning, you don't really know your character as well as when you've been on it for years oh and it gosh. comes second nature, right? So is there any time to have thoughts in between or are you just too caught up in the words? Because mm, yeah, the words good. can, if it's only about the words, it's one dimensional. Exactly. So how do you fill in those, the colors? That's a great question. Um, Thanks, Jen. When I was on General Hospital, I, I had no time. I started the next morning mm. as a pre-established character. So I had you to memorize... Yep, I had to, and she was the most, <laughs> top five most beloved soap actresses of all time. So I had to memorize her mannerisms. I just picked a few. Oh. I watched her on YouTube and picked a few and then did that. But to answer your question, what you're addressing now. Like being now, an understudy. Yeah. Who has to go on. Oh my God, it was crazy. That's crazy. So how I do it with Teresa's, the nice thing I will say about soaps, and, and I don't know how it is in other mediums as much, mm-hmm. because movies, it's kind of one and done, and it's just very encapsulated three weeks of filming and you're yeah, done. but it's slower and there's, yeah. you know, there's visuals, there's a pacing that's, sure. you know, very artistically. Sure. It's just a different rhythm. But I think for me with soaps, what I always try to do is, mem- well, in anything that I do, I try to memorize the lines so well. And I will write out in my, my left-hand margin, I'll ri- always write out the subtext. Oh, that's, that's so what I'm, I'm getting So I'm at. writing the character's actual thoughts. Great. Um, and then I'm saying that with my eyes. So I might be saying, um, you know, with my eyes, I love you, please don't leave me, please don't leave me. And that's my subtext. But on my lines are, get out of my life. You yes, know what I mean? Exactly. Right? So yes. I'm always memorizing both. The okay, subtext. that's what I'm getting at. Because if you're just doing the lines, there's no life. And there's not interesting at all. Right. So yeah. you want to layer it up. Okay, so tell us about Teresa Donovan. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. Um, what did you love so much about her? And actually, you guys, yesterday was... My last air date. Yeah. The last one. She's yeah. off. She's yeah. out. She's on to bigger and better. Yeah. More exciting. I don't know about bigger other, and better. Yeah, other, other, other things. Other canvases to explore. Um, I loved Teresa. So when I got that call, 
<laughs> God. <laughs> I was like, I can't go back into soaps. This is not my thing. I do comedy. I do rom-coms. Like, I'm your girl for that. Like, please don't put me back on the soaps. This but you so know, I, I, let me just interject because people have such a, like, stigma against soap, but I oh, think they're incredible. They are incredible. Incredible. Any actor that can get a soap needs to do a soap. And I will I go back to Days of Our Lives as many times as they will have me. There is no better training. You're never... Because you're one take. Mm-hmm. So... The thing with soaps is that the acting is actually phenomenal. It's the terrible, cheesy music that they layer over it that ruins the scenes. <laughs> because music is everything. Music it is the 80% of the audience's right. perception. So these are the best actors I've ever worked with. Soap actors can take any direction mm-hmm. on a dime. They can go from zero to 100 in one take because mm-hmm. they have to. Mm-hmm. And they have to be word perfect. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can you imagine what they could do if they had time to... Oh sink their teeth into it so there's yeah. nothing like soaps I highly recommend them they're the best training gear on ever and and honestly I always thought because I didn't grow up watching soaps we have this stigma of what soaps are but it's not overacting it's not at all anymore well, because I mean, the situation the stakes are high yeah the stakes mm-hmm. it's the stakes that are high that make you rise up to it and you feel like a fool sometimes but if you don't go there I mean, if your child was, like, raped and kidnapped, you better believe that you're going to be, like, right. crying right. and screaming it's, and it's whatever. It's almost like, you know, in comedy, the stakes have to be really super high, but mm-hmm. it's in a different way that the mm-hmm. soap opera is, mm-hmm. like, traumatizingly high. Yes, totally. But you still have to connect to something truthful to get there. Absolutely, and that's a great parallel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure, because you can't just make a sad face. You yeah. look like an idiot. You're going to get written off the show. The fans okay, but tell us, tell us about Teresa. What do okay. you love about that character? So what I love about the characters when they called me, they said, we wrote this role for you. And I joked back, um, <laughs> um, do, how do you spell Teresa? Maybe I don't know. Because she was this coke snorting, oh. one night stand, party girl. I'm like Miss Cherry Pie American. Yes. Like, dude, totally churchgoer. I was like, I don't even know how we're supposed to do this role right now. But thank you for writing it with me in mind. <laughs> so, and when I get mad, people are like, you're so cute. And I'm like, I am very mad. Like Shirley Temple, right? Like, it's bad. So what I loved about Teresa is that she was so broken and she was mm. putting on a front. So mm. what I just loved about her is that she she did, acted like she didn't care about what anybody thought, but she so deeply needed approval. That's and beautiful. so she was just so layered and so flawed and and just finding ways to make her the girl that the audience ended up rooting for. It, and playing cool. the, the silent beats, you know, because you can play... I know you know this. Hopefully all actors know this. You can play what's on the page, but it's like you said, it's so much more interesting to not play what's on the page. Every so, time. Every time. So, for example, with Teresa, what I would do that really changed the arc of the character, because you kind of force the writer's hand. Mm-hmm. When you do, you play mm-hmm. the subtext. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, mm-hmm. right? They want her to just be this bland party girl. I, when I took the role, I was praying about it. I was like, how do I play this role? And I really felt like the Lord said to me, you're going to play this role because she's the exact condition of humanity that I died for. Mm. And I love people. Mm. And she is broken and the people that are watching need to know that there is nothing they can ever do that makes them fall out of love. There's, you can never be unredeemable. There's, mm. always a, there's always a chance, whether it's in the moment or not, you can turn over a new leaf. You can choose to change your response, right? If you're a negative person, like find the positive. Just that. turn over the new leaf. It's like every moment is a new moment. You can switch. So with her. So you almost, it felt like it was being given to you so you could give a deeper message to everybody. So when she would, when the guys would leave from the one night stand and that classic soap pause that you get, I would play the brokenness of like, 
what every girl feels. Mm. No girl after a one night stand is feeling like super great unless it was her idea and she's using the guy. Right, right. Generally, she's going to be like, oh, so he's not going to call me. Uh, so what next? Like, yeah. I feel like shit. Right, you know? Right. Same with the drugs. When the drugs wear off, so you, you went another to, you went to the, the truth, you layered up, and mm-hmm. then you became so likable. People loved me. Yeah. Yeah. So you're spiritual. So I, yeah. saw, I hear that you just said that. So yeah. you turn over your higher power to God. Yeah. And is that how you carry in your life? And tell us about your spirituality. It impacts every single moment of my life. Um, every moment. I mean, mm. I... Live my life. I'm just finding this out about you right now. Yeah, I'd have no great. idea. Great. So. I mean, I live my life in almost constant prayer. And not in the sense that, like, <laughs> if I'm driving to a coffee shop, I've got a purpose. I'm not, like, praying, like, should I go to the coffee shop? Should I not go to the coffee shop? <laughs> you know, like, right. one of those. But I, I mean, every time I go to the, an audition, it gives me so much comfort. Because it's like, my job is to do the best that I can. Tell a great story, like you said. And then leave it in God's hands. Mm. Because... When, when I don't get an audition, they're not saying no to me. They're saying yes to somebody else. Mm. And I believe that my steps are ordered. So it gives me a lot of comfort. And whether that's a crutch or not, that's someone's opinion. Hey, but for me, it right. is so comforting. I'm, and we're just talking about you. You so. know? Um, and then for as a foster parent, it's one of the reasons I left the soap opera because... We don't know that you're a foster parent. So, yeah. So I'm a foster parent. And I left the soap opera to get involved in foster care. So mm. the soaps, as you know, like they're like 12 hour schedules and then you're going home and memorizing and there's just not a lot of time for life in mm, between mm, you, there's you not even a lot of time you want to have a child well I or... want to help children so what mm. I did is I, I researched the most screwed up systems in the United States and there are a lot in every mm. government mm-hmm. <laughs> and I came across foster care as just being the most red tape bureaucracy awful mess of a system that we have that was obviously paved with good intentions but really does lead to hell um mm. 90%, upwards of 90% of human trafficking victims, upwards of 80% of our incarcerated in prison and jail, and 50% of our U.S. homeless population all came from foster care. Wow. So it's a cycle, and it's a cycle that can be broken. So women in foster care, girls in foster care who were raised up in foster care are 600 times more likely than the average population to have children who also end up in foster care. So they go from neglect and abuse uh, into a foster home that is often neglecting and abusing them further. So what they need is good foster homes of people that are really getting involved for the right reasons. And when I say the right reasons, it's because you do get a, you get a monthly stipend. And it's not much. So that's much. why people were doing, other yes. people that were giving, that creating that same cycle. Sure. So it's not much. Right. It's but they needed the money, so they did right. it for the money. So it's $900 a month on or around. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's great. That's not a lot to cover a kid, but it's very helpful, right? And they try to make mm-hmm. it as easy as possible for someone to be able to step into that role and not feel like they can't foster because they don't have the money. So that's what the money's for. However, you don't have to claim it on your taxes as income, so you can get on welfare and then you can collect six kids and then you're a horrible person that's abusing these kids. And they're, they're not doing it for the children, they're doing it for the income. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I didn't even know. So that. I got involved with. But that. what made you get involved? What was that turning mm. point where you're just like, I'm gonna look up foster care one day? What What was it? Well, I because of my faith, mm-hmm. I I have always wanted to, I want to make an impact on the world. Okay. You know, I want to change the world, and I hope everyone does. But I think that, in no way or shape or form, would I ever compare myself to Mother Teresa. But a quote of hers that is so encouraging to me. She says, do small, you, do you want to change the world? Do small things with great love. Mm, and I, love I think 
this woman was born just like you and I were. Mm -hmm. And she just chose to do like every day and every moment and every little thing, she chose to to make it better right. if she could. And I'm like, you know, our actions have a ripple effect. And if we choose kindness, even in the smallest moment, we're having some sort of ripple effect. Mm -hmm. You know, even buying someone's coffee in a coffee shop and being like, I've got the person behind me's order. Yes. Like that make makes somebody's good. day. Oh, it really does. You know, and and then like you just can't underestimate the power of small acts of kindness and love. So, I got involved with foster care because I just think it it's it has such a ripple effect. If you can break that, you're impacting human trafficking. You're impacting uh, homelessness and future child imprisonment, abuse. child abuse, everything. And you also have an opportunity to love on these bio parents and say, who probably came from foster care, because mm. that's the cycle. So you want to break that cycle, which is so interesting cycle. that you said that's your purpose. And I've talked about this on other podcasts, because for actors, your passion is acting, but your purpose yeah. is to give back maybe to the children and that's, to help change the yeah. whole cycle. And what a powerful, powerful thing that you could have lived in this lifetime and done. Yes. Incredible. And my passion, my goal, my goal and why I got involved with acting and, and singing as well, I'm just about to launch an album, is because people give so much attention to storytellers. Mm -hmm. You know? We mm -hmm. listen to celebrities. Mm -hmm. And if I can recruit somebody to become a foster parent or, or do something, then I've done something good. But also what I want to do with the money, because like if you do this business well, there's a lot of money to be made. Mm -hmm. I want to open a children's village. Oh, to incredible. Have I want to do what Heidi Baker did in Africa, but it, you know, I want to have like a hundred children. I want to adopt them all, have house moms, like do it well. There's a system you do it that seems mm. systematic and it seems like a institution, but it's not. Mm. You adopt them, you give them a name so they don't feel nameless and unidentified. Mm. You can, I want a village where widows can come, where teen moms can come. And that's like very illustrious and like grand and big thinking. But I feel like you have but to be a big thinker. Why not dream big? You have to dream big in yeah. anything and everything that you do. That is fascinating. I didn't know that about you at all yeah so that's that's why when I go into these auditions I'm like if it's not this one it's something else I gotta keep going I gotta make that money I gotta build this village so oh, it wow. gives me it, it takes the pressure off acting yeah. and it takes the pressure off singing I just do it with excellence and just trust okay, that so I'm gonna get there tell us about this beautiful foster child that you have yeah so we've had our son um, we got him at four months and wow. I had specifically asked for an eight-year-old. I was trying to get this eight-year-old girl that I've been mentoring for four years who's now 10. And I was like, but, you know, preferably elementary school age would be great because, like, selfishly as an actor, it's kind of like built-in daycare school is, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I can still go on my auditions. But also I wanted to be able to tell a child who could cognitively understand what I was saying, you are not whatever you've been told. Mm. You are not ugly. You are not dumb. Yes, you are not you are. whatever. Yes. If they're behind on their schooling, which a lot of them are, because they, they switch schools and then mm -hmm. they have gaps, they're illiterate. I can teach you that. You know? Right. That's what I wanted. And <laughs> so how did they you come? get this, this eight-year-old child? Oh, my gosh. It's just a... Um, a myriad of things. One is that she was detained, this is the legal word that they use in San Bernardino, and then we live in Los Angeles, and they can't cross county lines. But mm -hmm. what it really, really came down to behind mm -hmm. closed doors is that she's black and I'm white. Uh, wow. Yeah, so that was like probably the main reason. But um, sorry about that. That's okay. I'm still yeah. in touch with her. Um, we Marco Polo'd today, so I'm still her mentor, which is great. What um, does that mean, Marco Polo today? Oh my gosh, Marco Polo is like this great app where you can like video text people. Oh. So it's like FaceTiming, but on your own time. Oh, it's I fun. Love it. Yeah, I like it. 
Oh, that's so great. So you're her mentor. Yes. Yeah, so Not I'm her, her mother, but her mentor. Right. Which is better when she's 10 because now yeah. like she thinks I'm cool versus yeah. like, don't tell me what to do. Exactly. Right? <laughs> okay. So then. This... So this boy. Okay. So they call me. They say, we've got a four month old boy for you. Uh, he was special needs at the time. He had a lot of like health issues. And I said, <laughs> I was slated to go down to San Diego for my first like church women's conference in a long time because I, I didn't trust women in church because like probably anyone who's been through church, I'd been through a lot of crazy church drama and when the church hurts you it's like the most you're wounding. talking to a jewish woman i but don't even still to, you've never been hurt by the jewish community temple. i don't even hang out no i never do I'm but not, like I'm if not some, spiritual enough. okay but if someone of your own like faith and moral code wounded you it hurts so much more because you're like you're supposed to know better so i didn't want to go to this women's conference but i had held myself accountable by committing to drive four different girls from my mm. church i was like i have a car I'll drive you. Okay. Get the call. You got your license. Will you take this four-month-old mm-hmm. boy? So here I am sitting in my car. I'll never forget it, thinking, do I go to church or do I be the church? Wow. You know, like, do I do, do I, like, go sing songs to Jesus or do I go be his hands and feet? Like, I don't know what to do right now. Very spiritual. <laughs> yeah, so then I was like, okay, so, so then I called the social worker and I was like, look, you told us that LA County is the worst in the country. We make up 10% of the United States orphans and kids in foster care. There's a high need. So I said, I can't cancel on these girls 12 hours before we're supposed to go. They don't have a ride. I'm so sorry. So listen, I'm back in town Saturday. This was a Wednesday. I'm back in town Saturday. Any kid you want to hand me, which is a bold statement. (laughs) Oh my God. Any kid you want to call me was Saturday. The answer is yes. They say, okay. Go have coffee with the girl from my church. Get back in the car. I'm packing. You're thinking though, but you're thinking in your mind, did I do the right decision? Did you take that moment? Absolutely. I definitely prayed about it. Mm. Um, And then I realized. And you had this awareness that you had to commit to the first decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, be a woman of your word. Mm -hmm. And they told us in training over and over and over again, don't ever feel bad about saying no because there are thousands upon, there's 40,000 40,000 in LA that need a home. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's just like an audition. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying yes to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right? I hear you. Yeah. So so then they call me. I'm packing for San Diego. Like, what do I wear? I don't want to be with all these girls. Like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. They call me up. They say, hey, we have this home, which is so unusual. We have this home that wants to take him for, we'll take him for two to three days. Can you just get him on Saturday? Wow. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, of course, sure, yeah, totally. But they don't do that, Cherry. It was so unusual that they did that because they want to place the kid once because it's very crucial that they're bonding. But the baby was so little, though. Yeah, but still, I mean, detachment issues. It's like, where am I moving? Where am I moving? It's scary for them. So I was like, yes. So I put together this registry and just, it was all, I put SOS, we need help, like in huge cap letters, like friends and church people and family and just said, Look, if you're on this, this is no pressure to like buy what's on our registry. You also just need to know that my life's about to change in 48 hours, like in a massive wow. way. Oh, so you had nothing prepared. I had nothing. My room was like frozen. Wow. It was, my room was frozen Disney prepared for this eight-year-old girl. I had a oh. twin bed. I had pink. It oh. was pink and purple and frozen and nightlights. Oh. <laughs> and now I'm taking a four-month-old boy. Oh. Wow. So I threw together this registry, like and pack people, and play, cloth diapers, diapers, wipes, car seat these are the things I need slash friends calling friends do you have a bouncer do you have this like what do you have what, what do I need you know and it, and all, it appeared. all appeared Amazon Prime all wow. at my house so we wow. set it up and, and incredible and now we're in the process of adopting him so I know he was put with us for a reason of course but it was a it's 
it's a hellacious journey and it made me a better actor because there's nothing like you have no there's, control yeah but there's nothing like care. oh you're so sweet you're getting vulnerable right now. yeah um or i mean the love that you probably have for your yes. baby though too and yeah. the love I have for his mom and just being yeah. in a constant position of having to be empathetic mm. and having to live your hand. I'm such a control freak. I'm an mm. A-type. And having to pry my fist open and mm. just, this is like the position is always, to, I'm, for those listening, I'm opening my hands and just keeping them flat. When I want to clench my fist, foster care forces you to be like this because you have no rights. Mm. Everything's up to a judge. Yeah. You write the report. I but know, it's, I have it's, a it's, friend yeah. who... I'm going to put you in contact with who just yeah. went through the final adoption and she sent me the videotape and yeah. was sobbing. Yeah. It was so, so beautiful and so incredible because the love, yes. the love, the love, and then to have the judge make that decision mm-hmm. must be overwhelmingly crazy making. Yeah. You know, but yet so joyous when it goes your way, which yeah. I would think it would if they see that the parent who's fostering really wants that child. I would think they want to do it in the best interest for the child but maybe do they think that the best interest for the child is to stay with the birth parent? that is the goal in all 50 states is reunification with the birth family mm. based on studies that it is better but based on studies that are skewed because most foster homes are not good places mm. so there's a whole movement going on of people in my generation that are like and younger that are like let's be foster parents i'm like yes let's do it let's mm. do it let's rise up and do this well i say wonderfulness to you for and let's build that I want to see you build that village I'm going to challenge you to that in the next 10 years that's the goal but then let's get back to acting okay 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 that's what okay. people want to hear about yeah yeah well that, I mean I think that's fascinating great I mean nobody knows that about you and to be a giving person makes you a better artist that's exactly right good actors make it about their scene partner and by default become good because vulnerability is power yes and you have to be open at all costs yes um, okay, so what's your next, which, what, what's next? You're doing a couple movies, mm-hmm. and what's some advice you'd like to give young actors? Oh, man, that's such a great question. Because people have the highs and the lows, sure. and just because you've been constantly working doesn't mean you've had those down, have not had those down days. Yes. Where it's all over, your mindset goes, it's negativity, to, to negativity, but sure. how did you, how do you rise back up? How do you keep going, and what's a good path for them? Um, well, I think one thing that they should, there's a lot of things I could say. One thing I think they should know is in a non-artistic way, it's a business. Mm -hmm. So you have to be business savvy. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to network, you need to go to classes, Mm -hmm. you need to put in the work and put in the practice. And if you get an audition, whether you want that audition or not, and it's at CAST and it's a student film, you show up because the casting directors that are there, maybe they're even college students. If you're just starting out, I say do student films. Like build your reel, build the experience, go to the audition because one day they're going to rise up. They have goals too. And so don't burn any bridges. Be polite. Uh, Show up on time. Show up on time. If you're going to do something, do it. Um, If you say you're going to do something, keep your word because your word – it goes a long way. It's, it's a long game. I want to be Betty White, right? Like, mm. I want to be America's grandma. So mm. that's, like, we my motto. Oh, my God, I love, obviously, mm. I love her. She's amazing. She's amazing. But, like, but yes, go yeah, ahead. So have a long, long game uh, vision in mind because if you just want to be famous, you're going to fizzle out. I mean, Lindsay Lohan's not working. She was the yeah, most famous I person ever. Be, when, when actors say to me, I just want to be famous, I don't feel like that means anything artistic. No, they don't want to be a storyteller. And it's like, mm. why are you, do you want to tell stories that matter to impact people in their living room? Mm-hmm. Because 
I mean, it's like church. You can hit somebody in their own living room where that's the only place that they'll be vulnerable because they're by themselves watching that TV program or watching that movie and you strike a chord in them and whether they're, they're in the hospital and you cause them to laugh for the mm. first time or they're in a situation and they need to cry, like yeah. you provide such cathartic release to them. So like what story you're telling? And if you're telling their story, you're telling it well. But for young actors, I would say, just know that like, you're created on purpose and with a purpose. There's yeah. never been a you. There never will be a you. So honor you might, your you. Yeah, and you might be you might be the same type as somebody, but you don't bring the same thing to the party. And 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 so bring you to the bring party. Bring you to the party. And I have so many weird quirks with my mouth and stuff that I do that I wish I could get rid of. But I now have, I'm like, I don't care that I do no, that. No, you're so adorable and quirky and fun and well, thank vibrant. You. you want to have all that. Your essence is everything. But you could study me and and be a great impressionist, but you're never going to be me. I could try to be somebody else, but then it's inauthentic and it reads inauthentic. And as soon as you just kind of tap into who you are, know your type, and then just do your job, show up, memorize, and just let it be. Mm -hmm. And just know that like that is enough. And surrender. Surrender it and just... And move on. You're booking the room, baby. Like, yes. long game, long game. That's yes. my advice. Okay, so my question. How, like, I've talked to actors, and, and I've coached a lot of actors working on shows, and I work with certain actors, and they say, this is how I want to be seen. I want to deposit my personality as a trustworthy, you know, honorable person. What do, what do you say about you? That you want to be... Trustworthy? What do you? What do you, you mean you, when I'm on set? No, as in the world, in in making your statement as an actress in this town. If we said Jen Lilly, mm. what's our image? That she is a quirky, funny, truthful. What? What would it be? Spiritual? Whatever it is. What would it be? Gosh, I would just say, um, hopefully impressionable. Mm -hmm. Loving. Mm -hmm. Passionate. Mm -hmm. And tenacious. I love it. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. <laughs>